Who is Jesus? Think about it. I remember doing an exercise once in school where the professor asked us to write down what Jesus meant for us, what he represented. I don't remember what I wrote back then, but I do remember that when he called on everyone to share, each person had a different answer. All of us were shocked, but the professor wasn't. His point was to show us that much like an abstract picture, everyone looking at Jesus, everyone who opens the Bible, is reading one thing, but interpreting it in their own way. According to the Bible, Jesus was seen in many ways. He was a healer. For some, he was a counselor. Others, a miracle worker. For some, he was a teacher. And for others, he was the long-awaited Messiah. Yet to others, he was a drunkard, a glutton, a blasphemer, and someone who was a friend of sinners. And that wasn't meant to be a compliment. You see, each gospel we have in the Bible carries a theme. The titles Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John don't necessarily mean that they were written by those people. Rather, they represent schools of thought. Mark's depiction of Jesus is that he was a hard teacher, frustrated with his clueless disciples who couldn't figure out who he was exactly and what he was doing. For Matthew, Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. If you look at Mark and Matthew alone, you see that one begins with Jesus' ministry and the other begins with the nativity. One begins when Jesus is an adult, everything before that wasn't relevant, and another begins right at the birth. For Matthew, it is very important that Jesus meet the criteria for being the Messiah. And so when his school of thought is being put together, they constantly refer to the Old Testament and fit Jesus' life into that school of thoughts framework. Luke, who never met Jesus himself, gives us a biographical account of his life. He wants to give us a full picture and history of the Jesus movement. Our church has a historian and she archives all the history of the church. Think of Jean as Luke. Collecting, traveling, and putting together a history based on people's accounts and other sources so that the church has a nice, neat, and tidy picture on the life of Jesus and what happened after he had passed. Then we have the Gospel of John. And the purpose of this book, contrary to Mark, is to show us a school of thought that understood exactly who Jesus was. There was to be no doubt about it. Jesus was the Son of God in the form of human flesh, wholly unique and wholly distinct from us. Much like Hercules was the son of the god Zeus and the mortal Alchemini, half God and half man, Jesus also was both human and divine, born of a woman, 
But don't forget that his dad was from the heavens. But one has to ask, with just these schools of thought, weren't there other schools of thought? Weren't there other disciples? Weren't there other ways of viewing Jesus back then? For a long time, we never really questioned our Bibles. It was almost bred into us. Never did we question the holy book. But today, we are sure that there were more stories, more accounts, more schools of thought. Intentionally and unintentionally left out. Our discovery of the Nag Hammadi Library gave us more diversity, more schools of thought than we previously had. And today we're going to look at a passage from the Gospel of Thomas and see if the school of thought, his school of thought, had a different interpretation than that of the other disciples. Before I do this, let me just address why I think it is important to not only look at these recent discoveries, but also to take them seriously. You might remember the story of Joseph. He's the one who had the coat of many colors. He was Jacob's son back in the Old Testament. He had a dream, and he interpreted the dream in a way that made his other brothers really angry with him. It made them so angry that they plotted to kill him, but instead threw him in a ditch, then sold him off into slavery. Hidden for years, he suddenly emerged out of that pit, out of slavery, out of all his misfortune, and what did he do? He became lord of all the lands of Egypt, and ended up saving those same brothers who tried to get rid of him. He saved them from starvation. They were hungry. Might we imagine that this gospel of Thomas is just like Joseph, that it was hidden from us, but now it is here to help feed our souls all these years later. So who was Jesus according to the Gospel of Thomas? That's what we're trying to get to. Who is Jesus? Scholars agree that Mark and another source called Q, or Quell, meaning primary source, were used to construct Matthew, Luke, and Mark. Some believe that the Gospel of Thomas may actually be that source. Others, they're not so sure. Its structure likely resembled a simpler form of Mark, sayings of Jesus without much narrative behind them. And so, as you will see, the passage we are reading today can be found in some form in our Pew Bibles. For comparison... If you were to open up to Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, you might read this. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, 
he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, and some others, you're like one of the prophets. But Jesus said to them, But who do you, disciples, think that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This account is recorded also in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 27, and also in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 18. Jesus is stated as being the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But in Thomas, we hear a similar story, but it's a different version. There's a little twist to it. Here's what it says. Jesus said to his students, Compare me to something and tell me what I'm like. Peter said to him, You're like a messenger. Matthew said to him, You are like a wise philosopher. Thomas said to him, Rabbi, my mouth is utterly unable to say what you are like. Jesus said, I'm not your rabbi, Thomas. Because you have drunk, you are intoxicated from the bubbling spring I tended. And he took Thomas and withdrew and spoke three sayings to him. When Thomas came back to his friends, Peter and Matthew, they asked him, Hey, what did Jesus say to you in private? Thomas said to them, If I tell you one of the sayings he spoke to me, you will pick up rocks and stone me, and fire will come out of the rocks and consume you. You see, In the other Gospels, there is harmony, for the most part. And that's what the early church sought. In each account of the synoptics, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. It says the same thing in John. But here, like in my seminary class when my professor asked that question, each person had a different answer. John calls Thomas a doubter only in the Gospel of John. Not in the others, doesn't mention that. One might think that they disagreed on who Jesus was. Remember, we're dealing with schools of thought. We are only acknowledging the diversity. We don't have to question or throw away our current school of thought. We just have to accept that there was different ways of interpreting Jesus even among the early disciples in the first and second century. So back to the passage we just read. Doesn't it sound so mystical? Let's hear it again, but I'll make sure we go slower so that we can 
understand and fully see what's going on here. Jesus said to his disciples, to his students, compare me to something and tell me what I'm like. Peter said, you are like a messenger. Now you may remember who God's messenger angel is, Gabriel, the one who comes to Mary on behalf of God and shares divine wisdom. So Peter responds, Jesus, you're like an angel from heaven, sharing God's plans with humanity. Matthew said to him, you're like a wise philosopher. We all know that the life of Jesus takes place in a setting where philosophers were known to have their own schools. They were the wise sages of the day, like Socrates, Pythagoras, Plato, and Aristotle. Jesus was maybe like a wise teacher, revealing metaphysics, first principles on where things all came from and where all things are going. But then we get to Thomas. Thomas said to him, Teacher, my mouth is utterly unable to say what you're like. Thomas has no comparisons. And that was Jesus' question, wasn't it? Compare me to something. But Thomas can't. He cannot find anything that resembles his experience with Jesus. He's at a loss for words. Jesus responds to him, I'm not your rabbi, Thomas. Because you have drunk, you are intoxicated from the bubbling spring I tended. They did call Jesus a drunkard, didn't they? But that's not what's being implied here. I know this because later in the Gospel of Thomas, the same text, the meaning of this phrase, this teaching, is clarified. Just a few pages over, you'll see Jesus say this, whoever drinks from my mouth will become like me. I myself shall become that person. And the hidden things will be revealed to that one. In the Gospel of John, we hear a similar saying that may sound funny to us, if you think about it. But you remember that story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4? Where Jesus tells her, whoever drinks from me will never be thirsty again. Jesus obviously isn't talking about well water. He was saying something deeper. I believe Thomas gives us an understanding of what Jesus meant. The passage ends with Jesus pulling Thomas aside after he admits, Jesus, I can't compare you to anything. Then Jesus took him and withdrew from the other disciples and spoke three sayings to him. 
The three sayings aren't said aloud and they aren't revealed. It's a secret message that only Thomas is privy to, but we do know what prompted Jesus to say these things to Thomas. It was the fact that Thomas had not compared to Jesus to anything. For Thomas, Jesus was holy and unique. There was nothing else like him. The others did try to compare, but Thomas wouldn't dare. Jesus felt he was ready to hear something else, something that was not to be shared with the others. The passage continues when Thomas returns from his private meeting with Jesus and his friends want to know, what did Jesus say to you? Thomas said to them, guys, if I tell you one of the sayings he spoke to me, you're going to pick up the rocks and stone me. And then fire will come out of the rocks and consume you. Thomas doesn't want to tell them. He's worried that they will stone him. Stoning was a punishment back then for people who blasphemed. Those who would dare say something about God. Something profane. Something they had never heard and was outside of their understanding. Thomas says that if he tells them, they will stone him. And then fire will come out of the rocks and consume them. In the Bible, and I've preached a whole message on this before last year, but Jesus compares himself to a fire. That same fire you saw at Pentecost that hovered over the disciples' heads as tongues of flame, and John the Baptist refers to in, uh, about Jesus when he, in Matthew uh, chapter 3, verse 11, where he says, I'm going to baptize with, with water, but somebody is coming after me who will baptize with the Spirit and with what? Fire. In Luke 12, 49, Jesus says, I've come to bring fire on the earth. I wish it was already kindled. Did Jesus bring fire? Did he, was he literally bringing fire? Now, what Jesus brought was the truth about God, which burns up all the lies about God. Jesus brought the truth about the heavens. And so there would be no more mystery. Thomas tells us that if he repeats what Jesus said to him about the true God, they'll call him a blasphemer. And that they will be destroyed by what Jesus is really teaching. The real truth about who and what Jesus really was. Remember, the other Gospels are clear. They were a little unsure at times. And even at the cross, they all abandoned him. Because they didn't fully get it. But in Thomas, we get a different picture. And what is Jesus? And what was Jesus really up to? There was a time that the church would burn people for questioning the teachings, any doctrines or dogmas. But thankfully, 
through many, many, many years of work and effort, the work and effort of those who've come before me, we live in a much more civil world. So maybe now we can talk one-to-one. May I share who I think Jesus really is? Jesus told Thomas, I'm not your rabbi, Thomas. I'm not your teacher. I'm not because you have drunk. You've drunk of me. And now you are intoxicated from the bubbling spring I tended. May I dare say that Jesus is not my rabbi. He's not my teacher. As I mentioned before, Thomas, uh, Thomas tells us what happens when one drinks from the enlightened bartender who serves up wisdom. Whoever drinks from my mouth, Jesus says, will become just like me. I myself shall become that person. And the hidden things about God will be revealed to that one. What could this mean to Thomas? What does it mean for me? What could it mean for you? Maybe that we have been told to worship the unknowable God. Be content with that. Maybe that we all have been taught to believe in something outside of ourselves. Even when we felt that there were discrepancies, even when there were doubts, when we weren't really sure. Maybe we have been asked to believe in Christ and be content with the prospect of only becoming copies of him. When he himself encourages us in the Gospel of John, saying, truly I tell you, If you believe in me, you will do the works that I've been doing. In fact, you're going to do greater things than I've done. You see, I have come to understand that Christ wasn't calling me to be perfect. Not in the sense that I don't make mistakes. He was calling me to be perfectly me. To have the courage to find and just be myself. To understand all of my inner nooks and crannies. To experience all that I can be in order to become a full and whole person. Guided in love, Christ calls us not to be perfect little robots who follow him around. But rather to go the narrow way. To pursue the unknowns of life so that we can see how far and how wide we truly are. And that, for Thomas, was the gospel. That you would 
become not just like Christ, but do what Christ did. He went his own way. He left the carpenter job behind. He had the courage to lose his religion and find one himself, one he could believe. And he sought to break the chains of an archaic caste system that called some people clean and others unclean. Who is Jesus? In closing, I will end with a quote from the Dr. Carl Jung, who also dove the depths of his own soul so that he too might know the truth. The truth that Thomas wrote down in hopes that one day we might hear it and be set free. Jung writes, If you have still not learned this from the old holy books, then go there, drink the blood, and eat the flesh of him who was mocked and tormented for the sake of our sins. So that you totally become his nature. Deny his apart from you. You should be he himself, not Christians, but Christ. Otherwise, you'll be of no use to the coming God. If you have ears to hear and eyes to see, feel free to say this with me. Who is Christ? I am.